0: Thank you for tuning in. We trust you will feel encouraged, uplifted, and inspired to build God's kingdom with us. Enjoy the message. Okay, so we are carrying on with our series, the I Am series. Jesus said, there were seven statements Jesus made in the book of John where he said, I am. And so we are looking at those for the next seven weeks. And it's a fantastic series because you know what this series does? It helps us focus on Jesus, which is so cool. Because um, it's a good time. It's good to every now and again just focus on what Jesus says about Himself, and, and this is one of these series, and so really excited about it. Last week, Rudolph started with Jesus saying that He is the Bread of Life, and I've heard that um, last week Sunday there was a spike in the sales of bunny chow in Boscrem <laughs> after the service. So uh, clearly the message went across there. And this morning we are talking about Jesus is the light of the world. And I think with the fact that we have so much load shedding as South Africans, this is going to be a particularly relevant message for all of us, that Jesus is the light of the world. Eskom is not the light of the world. Jesus is. And so um, I'm excited to be preaching it this morning. I've decided to start this morning by showing you a video of people that were trapped in a cave Because as as you listen to the video, you'll start to hear how dangerous it is to be in darkness and the impact that darkness has. You know what darkness does? If you stay in darkness all your life, you're going to die. That's the point of the video. And so please watch the video as we start the sermon through it.
1: Mm-hmm. Being trapped in the dark for even a couple of hours is traumatic. These kids are without their parents There without their loved ones. And even if you were stuck for an hour, you would be traumatized. But to be stuck for nine days where you have no exposure to the outside world, your sensory system is completely deprived. You go through not just fear but panic.
2: July 2nd, 2018. We are
1: coming. It's okay. It's okay. Many people are coming. Many, many people. We are the first. Many
2: people come. What, what the boys are huddled on a small, damp, muddy ledge, just 6 by 16 feet wide. In a partially flooded chamber, two and a half miles deep into the cave, and a half mile below the Doi Nang Nan mountain. They are hungry and exhausted, but safe for now. But being on their own in the cave for so long has taken its toll.
1: It was 10 days before the boys and the coach were found, and that 10 days must have been extraordinarily difficult, full of many emotions, not to mention the physical trauma of not being fed. The more body fat you have and the more muscle you have, the longer you can survive. So if you're small, like some of these prepubescent boys are, it's a lot harder because you don't have as much fat to use as fuel once your blood sugar supply is run out.
2: Oxygen levels in the tight pocket of air surrounding the boys are plummeting to nearly 15%, putting the team at a severe risk of hypoxia.
1: Hypoxia is a state where you are low on oxygen. Your body requires oxygen to function. When someone is deprived of oxygen, There's a gradual deterioration of organ systems. People can have rapid heart rate, confusion, headaches, difficulty breathing, extreme lethargy. Your heart stops, your lungs stop working, you die.
2: But the boy's physical condition is just one concern. Being trapped in a cave for 10 days with no immediate rescue plan is also wearing them down psychologically.
1: If you are not exposed to light for nine or ten days, you are being deprived of sensory inputs, and you're facing the possibility of death, you can sleep, actually, and not know how much time has passed. So you really lose track of time when you're not exposed to any light.
0: All right, so you know what I get out of this? It's good to be fat, because you'll never know when you're stuck in a cave. (laughs) But... You know the, the story is about 13 boys. They're in a soccer team and they, they, they had soccer practice. It was one of the boys' birthday actually, and they decided that after practice they weren't go into the caves like they normally do. And it had rained for, for a, a particular period, and while they were in the cave, there was a flash flood, and it started to fill up all those those um, ca- those tunnels and that in the cave. And so it drove them it's, to, to four kilometers into the cave, where they were stuck on this little island with water on both sides. And um, what they needed was a rescuer. They needed somebody to come and rescue them out of their darkness. And you see, this is the story of the Bible. This is what the Bible teaches. That mankind is stuck in spiritual and moral darkness. And without a rescuer, there is no hope. That there is only death, spiritual death awaiting all of us. And it's into this that we look at to this, this portion of Scripture where Jesus declares in John eight twelve that I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, you won't walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads you to life. And all these boys needed was light to lead them to life. And so this parallels what the Bible teaches us and what Jesus is telling us in John eight twelve. You see, Jesus declares... To a world, to me and you, that is stuck in darkness outside of Him. That only He is able to truly lead you out of this darkness and rescue you from it into light. And so as we look at this, I know that this is for many of us, our story. That there was a time in our lives where we were stuck in darkness. There was a time in our lives where we were confused, and life felt meaningless, and there was a void, and we needed answers, and we were hopeless, but we saw a light, His name was Jesus Christ, and so we decided to follow Him, and our story is this, as soon as I followed Christ, I got life, and there's life in me, and suddenly there was hope, and suddenly there was light, and suddenly there was meaning in my life, because He is the light of the world. He is the one that leads us to life. And as we unpack this one verse this morning, there's just two areas that I want to really just focus on. The first one is this, the claim that Jesus makes that I am the light of the world. And the second is, if you read that, you'll see that he is asking for a response to that claim. And that is to follow him. And so that's what we're looking at this morning. This claim that Jesus makes that I am the light of the world. And then the response he's asking for. And that is to follow him. When you look at this claim that Jesus makes that I am the light of the world, there's two very important things that I just want to share with you around that claim this morning. And the first one is this that Jesus is the only light that leads to life. Jesus is the only light that leads to life. That is his claim. You see, there's no other lights in this world that will lead to life. Everything that is outside of Christ is darkness. Every single thing that is outside of Jesus Christ is darkness. We live in a world that tells us there are, that offers many lights to us, if I use that analogy. And it offers many promises that if you follow these lights, it will give you life, but it's false. Let me tell you why. Because for many of us, we are lured into this world system. It tells us the light of this world is money. And if I've got money, I will have life. But after you've chased money for a while, you realize that you're still empty. And there's still a void. And there's still answers. And there's still meaning that you need to find. Because money doesn't bring life. The world tells us that that there's another one, light, It gives you this false light that if you have relationships and that if if you have, um, and, and many people have this false light of sex in relationships and they go and they say, if you have that, you'll find life. And then you get into that for a little while and you start to realize that there's still no meaning to life, that there's still a void, that there's still emptiness because it's a false hope and a false hope of life. Other ways that this world tells us that you will find a light of life is through your career or through achieving your sport. And so you follow this light, hoping to find life. And only at the end of it do you realize, well, it's still empty. It's still empty. It still doesn't answer the questions, it still doesn't give you meaning. Because what Jesus says is that all those things, although they may be masquerading as light, they're not the true light. Only he is the true light that leads to true life. Nothing else. Jesus says that he is the light of the world. It's very interesting that you, and you must notice this, he doesn't say I am a light to the world. He says I am the light. It's definitive. What is interesting about what Jesus claims here is that he's the only way to eternal life. We live in a world today where there's a lot of debate around whether all religions lead to God. And many Christians actually do believe that as long as you're good and as long as you're following something, it will all lead you to God. Well, Jesus doesn't say that. And, as, and, and, and a lot of times people get angry with the church because they say the church is so judgmental and so elitist. But it's not us, it's our Savior who said it. He said it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the light to this world. And it's only through me that you get eternal life. And so that as we look at what Jesus is claiming, I want you, I want you to pause there. And just think about it. When Jesus declares that he is the light of the world, he's saying to you and to me that the world will offer you many lights, but I'm the only light that will lead you to life. And the world will tell you that there are many pathways to life, but I'm gonna tell you that there is only one pathway to life and his name is Jesus Christ. I'm putting your faith and your trust in him. And so that's the first thing about the statement, I am the light of the world. The second thing is, Light only, or life only starts when there is light. Okay, what do I mean with that? Only when you believe in the light does life start. Life doesn't start when you acknowledge the light or when you say, I understand that there's a light. Jesus is saying life only starts when you believe that I am the light. Okay, why do I say that? Because when you read the the scriptures after that, you'll see that the debate begins. And the Pharisees are saying to Jesus, how can you testify that you are the light of the world? Where You are one. The testimony of many will declare that you are the light of the world. And he says, no, I am because I'm the Trinity. It's not just me. It's the Father and the Holy Spirit that declares I'm the light of the world. And then by verse 24, he, he comes to a point and he says this to them, I told you, that you would die in your sins. Now listen to this. For unless you believe that I am here, you will die in your sins. What's Jesus saying to them? When I declare to you that I am the light of the world, the only time you're gonna get life is when you believe that statement. It's the only time you'll find life. is when you believe what I say is true. When you look at the beginning of time, there's an interesting parallel here. Genesis 1, 1 to 3 says this in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. It means without form just means there was no shape in it. In fact, that word means confusion. It was no shape that was confused. It was a confused space. It was void, it was empty, there was nothing in it, and it was dark. And darkness was all over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And now I want to see the first thing God does to start the process of life. What does He do? Let there be light. And there was light. You see, when you are in the light, life starts. You see, when God said, let there be light, what happened after that? Suddenly the world began to take shape. The confusion was gone and there was Meaning. The emptiness was gone because there was life that God had created into the world. And there was no more darkness, but there was light. And the parallel for you and for me and with John 8, 12 is this. Is that if you and I are sitting in a space where we're confused and there's meaningless and there's no shape to our lives and there's emptiness and there's a void and there's darkness, the only place where that could change is when you step into the light by believing that Jesus is the light of the world. And it's only at that point that your life would begin to shape and meaning would begin to come and life would begin to fill your life and all the darkness will dissipate and light would become what you live in. And so the application for us this morning is this. What Jesus is saying that I am the light of the world is not just a statement to understand but it's a statement to believe. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Because only when you believe it, does it trigger life into you. Because that's the principle of light. I think that this is still our story. I think that if... (laughs) to ask people to come and share their experience around this, you'll tell me exactly the same thing. Steve, you'll come up here and say, Nick, you know what, my life was dark and meaningless and it had no meaning. But when I gave my life to Christ, it all began to shape changed. My life got shape. I got meaning. My life was filled with life. There was no more darkness, but there was light. And it only came when I made that decision to believe the statement of Jesus that he is the light of the world and that I can't have life outside of him. And so Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And there's two things this morning that I just want to to leave with you. The first one is this. There is no other way for you and I to find life in this world except through Jesus Christ. That is his claim. And he's asking for you and for me to believe him, to believe this claim. Because only once you believe it does it actually get activated in our lives. You and I can sit in church all our life Understand that he's the light of the world, but never actually believe it and never find life. And that's what I think Jesus is saying to us as he says, I am the light of the world. As I said, the second part of the sermon is that Jesus asks for a response. He says, I'm the light of the world. Follow me. Follow me. It's very important as you unpack John chapter 8, verse 12, that you understand the context into into what Jesus was speaking. He was speaking during a time which was called the Festival of Booths or the Festival of Tabernacles. And so why is that significant? I'll tell you why it's significant and why it, it helps us understand what Jesus is actually saying here. The Festival of Booths the Festival of Tabernacles, I'm going to read it to you, and I took this directly off. The Jews for Jesus website, so I'm, nothing here is, is, my, is me trying to, to make it all work together. It's just simply what it is. And so what is this Festival of Booths? What is the Festival of Tabernacles, and why is it significant? Well, this is what it is. The Festival of Booths, or the Festival of Tabernacles, is a memorial to remind us of the building of booths during the ancestors wandering in the wilderness. So when they wandered in the wilderness, they, they built tents. So, wherever they went, they erected a tent. It was a booth. So, it reminds the the Israelites that when they were in the wilderness, this is what they did they followed God and they would erect these booths. The Feast of Tabernacles or booths was an annual reminder to the people that God is their great shepherd who has chosen to tabernacle among them, to protect them, and bless them wherever they wandered. Now, there were three rituals or rites that they went through in this eight-day period. And they significant. Listen to what they did. There was a water-drawing ceremony every single day. They would draw, go water. It was a ceremony, and they would take it all back to the temple. And just, just, it's not the sermon for today, but it was while they were doing this that Jesus stood up and said, I am the living water. Drink of me and you'll thirst no more. But the second thing that they did was, was they would illuminate the temple. And the third thing was they would build booths. But the illuminating of the temple is where you and I need to understand the context. You see, the illuminating of the temple was this. The temple was on top of the hill. And it was, there were great pillars like candelabra that were erected around the temple. And this was to illuminate the court of women. Levite youths poured oil into the basins for the different branches of the candles and worn out priestly undergarments made the linen acted and, and acted as wicks. Because the temple stood on a hill and these blazing candles would illuminate it, the whole city would see it and it was illuminated for the whole of Israel. This glorious blaze of fire recalled to the Israelites God's Shekinah, what is that? The pillar of fire by day and the smoke by night that actually accompanied them throughout their wandering in the wilderness. So, so not only did it remind them that they were living in booths, but it reminded them as they looked at this temple and this glaze of, of, of all these candles on top of the hill, it would remind them how God led them in the wilderness. It would remind them that God led them through a pillar of fire and a cloud of smoke during the day and all they had to do was follow it to the promised land. And it's in this backdrop that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Follow me and you will have life. And so he parallels to them and they clearly would have understood exactly what he was saying. He was saying that just as God had led you from the darkness and the bondage of Egypt into the promised land, so too will I lead you from spiritual darkness and bondage into spiritual life. And that's why they were offended. Because who was he to say that he is that? And so we see what Jesus is communicating to them that there was a need for them to follow him, like the ancestors followed the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud to the place God was taking them. There's a few things. And I think we can learn from this picture that Jesus, or this parallel that Jesus uh, presents through the story. The first one is this, that seeing the light is very different to following the light. Seeing the light is very different to following the light. You see, Jesus doesn't just want you to see and acknowledge that he is the light of the world. He wants you to follow him as the light of the world. You see, the Israelites believed God and followed the pillar of fire. The question for us today is, do we believe the claim of Jesus Christ and therefore will follow him? You see, many people in church, our family, friends, colleagues, will actually acknowledge that Jesus is the light of the world will actually say so understand that Jesus is the light of the world, but are not prepared to follow the light of the world. And that's what Jesus wants. Because it's only when you follow do you actually receive life. If you had to think about the story, they'd never get to the promised land if they didn't follow. They could have recognized that this is a move of God, but never followed and never actually got to where God had t- wanted to take them. And I think Jesus is telling us the same thing, that in our lives, that if we don't follow him as the light of the world, we are still in spiritual darkness. Although we may acknowledge that he is the son of the living God, may, may acknowledge that he is the light of the world, but it's the following that activates, act- activates the life. The second thing is, is that When you follow, there's a new leader. When you follow, there's a new leader. When you think of what it must have been like for those Israelites when they had to pack up and suddenly move and then follow the direction that God was taking on through this pillar of fire and this cloud. Who were they following? God. Whose direction were they following? God's. Did they have to trust the direction God was taking them in? Yep, they had to trust him. Did they have to forego their own rights, their own wants, their own desires, and simply say, God, we trust you and we submit to where you're taking us? Yep. There was no other way they could have done it. And so Jesus parallels to you and to me that that is what following looks like. you know what it looks like to follow Jesus? Is to say, Lord, doesn't matter what direction you take me in, I'm gonna trust you, I'm gonna follow you, I'm gonna forgo everything that I wanna do and wanna be and all those kind of things, and I'm gonna trust that where you take me is the right place for my life. You see, the challenge we sit with today is this, that a lot of times we, th- we feel that God must follow our agenda. God must do what I want what I need, what's good for me, that I will tell God the direction we should be taking here. And Jesus gives a very different picture. He gives a picture of a people that just submit and follow. The third thing to see is that they had to follow with all their lives. They didn't have the luxury of saying, well, this part of my life will go with and follow the cloud. But this part of my life, I'm gonna keep it here in Egypt. It, It didn't work like that. They packed everything and they moved. What's the application of that? Well, I think that what Jesus is asking us is that when we follow him, it's with all our lives. That we don't follow him in pockets of our lives. You see, it's very easy today to follow God in my devotional life and, and maybe with, with my relationships. But when it comes to my money or when it comes to, to living with my partner, or that, no, 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 no. That, that pocket there is not in the light. That will stay there in the darkness. This you see, Jesus doesn't, with this parallel of this picture, it doesn't work like that. It's everything needs to be in the light. Everything needs to be following the light. Here's why I think this is important Because those pockets of our lives that are still in darkness are robbing us of life. Those addictions, those habits, those, whatever it is in your life, my life, whatever it is. Because it's not in the light, there can't be life there. And so we cry out to God for life, but all it needs to do is come into the light. Then we need to repent of it and trust God and follow Him in those areas and life will come. The fourth thing is this Jesus says that if you follow him, you won't walk in darkness, which implies that you will walk in light. The New Testament teaches a lot about our responsibility to continue to walk in the light. There's verses like Ephesians 5:8 that says, For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are in light, in you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For you 1 Thessalonians 5, 5. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people um, for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who you, who called you out of darkness into light. You see, Jesus is giving us both an instruction And I think a warning, he's instructing us that once we see the light, once we decide to follow the light, that we actually remain there and continue to follow him. Because that means that we will always have life. But it's a warning because it warns us that there's the possibility that there will come a time where we will not walk in the light. I was thinking of this analogy of the cave. Imagine the guys come to rescue them and they're following the light and there's another pathway and one of the guys says, I can see that light, but I'm gonna go this way. Where would he end? Nobody knows. Where would he end? You see, Israel did do that. When they got to the promised land, God sent them, cross over. Ten of them said, no ways. We do not believe the leading of the Lord yet. Two of them said, this is God. We must do it. You know, when they stepped out of the light of following after what God had called them to do, following the the leading of God, they found themselves in 40 years of wilderness. And not a single one of them, besides those two, actually entered into the promised land. Why? Because they stepped out of the light. Instead of staying there and following and continuing to follow God, they decided at a point that no way is we going to go this way. so I want to encourage you this morning if you have found the light follow him and walk continuously in the light don't get tempted to t- take portions of your life and keep them in darkness and portions of your life and put them in light and you know one day you in and one day you out you're never going to find life like that and it's not just about eternal life The Bible tells us in John 10.10 that the enemy comes to kill, still and destroy, but Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life in abundance, present tense. So the life that Jesus offers you is not just the fact that you're gonna have eternal life, but you will find life in this life if you walk in the light. That's a fantastic promise. The challenge this morning is this. Is your whole life In the light. Is your whole life. In the light. Are you following. And which light are you following. In this life that you're living. I want to conclude this morning. And while while I'm on this point. If the ushers you can hand out the. The communion elements. Partly this picture of this temple on a hill, which is lit up, reminds me of Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 reads the following, verse 14. It says, Jesus is now teaching, and he get, look what he says. You are the light of the world. You, me, me we the light of the world a city set on a hill cannot be hidden nor do people light up a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand and it gives light to all the house in the same way let your light shine before others so that you so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven i want you to notice what jesus says here In John chapter 8, he says, I am the light of the world. But in Matthew chapter 5, he says, you are the light of the world. What's Jesus saying? What's the point? What's the principle? Listen very carefully to me here. When you are filled with the light of the world, you reflect the light of the world. And so when Jesus is saying to you and to me that he is the light of the world and we need to be filled with him, we are filled with his light and we begin to reflect his light into the world so that the world can see the true light, Jesus Christ. I want to say to you this morning that there are many of our friends and our family and colleagues and people we're bumping into day to day that are stuck in darkness And the only way they're going to see the true light is when
1: you and I reflect the light to them so that they can see the true light.